Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's Precious Metals News. It's Friday, February 18th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So if you've been paying any attention to the markets at all, you know gold has been on a pretty good run this week. As I was prepping for the podcast this morning, gold was trading at just over $18.90 an ounce. You know, we haven't seen the price this high in like eight or nine months. In fact, gold is up over 6% on the year. And yesterday, it tapped on the door of $1,900 an ounce. In fact, the futures market was trading above $1,900 for a time. Now, there was a little bit of a dip in gold earlier in the week after news of de-escalation in Ukraine, which apparently was a little premature. Last night I heard Biden saying that the Russians had moved even more troops close to the border, contrary to reports earlier this week that said they were pulling back with the completion of some training exercises. Now, just a quick cynical side note, drumming up a war is flailing President 101, and Joe Biden is clearly a flailing president. You know, the economy is not his friend. What better way to deflect from the fact that you're paying more for everything uh, than a little war across the pond, right? Regardless, as I said, there was a bit of a safe haven unwind earlier in the week, but, you know, Ukraine is not what's been driving the price of gold. It's not safe haven. Yeah, that's obviously part of the equation this week, but the real issue is inflation. And we got even more bad inflation news this week. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell retired the word transitory uh, as it relates to inflation back on November 30th. Now, just two and a half months later, we're starting to see a new word bandied about to describe inflation, persistent. Less than a week after the January CPI data came in way hotter than expected again, we got yet another signal that persistent is a much better word for inflation than transitory. Producer prices, PPI, doubled expectations, charting the biggest increase in eight months. The PPI for final demand surged 1% month on month, uh, and that was after they revised December's up from 0.2 to 0.4%. Core PPI, excluding food and energy, rose by 0.9% on the month. If you look at annual Uh, producer prices, 9.7% is the increase. That was just off the record that was set in December. Uh, The annual gain in core PPI was 6.9%. That was also just off of the record. The monthly increase in producer prices blew away Wall Street estimates of just 0.5%, and the estimate for the 12-month PPI had been 9.1%, so both of those well above expectations. Wholesale goods prices rebounded 1.3% after teasing us with a 0.1% dip in December, a 0.8% rise in the prices of goods excluding food and energy, accounted for more than 40% of the broad increase in the cost of wholesale goods. Reuters called this, quote, another sign that high inflation could persist through much of this year. And there's that word, persist, persistent, get used to it. 
Of course, there is a good reason for concern. Consumer prices typically lag behind producer prices. Looking at the data over the last year, there's a huge gap between the prices producers are paying and the prices consumers are paying. And, you know, I've said before, sometimes you'll hear people talking about, well, it's just a bunch of greedy corporations and they're gouging us and that's why we have inflation. Yeah, no, businesses aren't even passing on all of their costs at this point. And that means you are likely going to be on the hook tomorrow for at least some of the price pressures businesses are feeling today when it comes to their costs. Now, early on in this inflation spike, a lot of businesses, I think, were kind of reluctant to pass on price increases to their customers because they actually believed the transitory inflation narrative. There was fear that if they raised prices, competitors might not match the increases. So the strategy, I think, for a lot of companies was to eat the price hikes for a few months, ride out the transitory inflation storm, and then move on. But with the transitory uh, transitory narrative dead and buried, there is nothing to stop businesses from passing their rising costs on to you and me. Quote, PPI offers a window to the price pressures that businesses are facing and which will likely be passed on to consumers in the way of consumer price inflation in the months to come. That was PNC economist Kurt Rankin uh, and quoted, uh, I think, on CNBC. Okay, so where is all of this leading us? Well, the much higher than expected CPI and PPI data for January has increased the urgency for the Federal Reserve to do something. Citigroup Chief U.S. Economist Andrew Hollenhorst told Reuters that the data now supports a 50 basis point rate hike in March. Quote, this is further evidence of persistent, there's that word, and increasingly embedded inflationary pressure that should keep the Fed leaning towards even more hawkish policy, end quote. Now, this is really what I want to get into today. Yes, This persistent inflation should mean a more hawkish Fed, and some people still think it means a more hawkish Fed. In fact, we've still seen this reflexive sell-off on gold um, with every bit of bad inflation data, at least initially. But there ain't going to be a more hawkish Fed. And I think some people in the markets are maybe starting to figure that out. Of course, there is still part of me waiting for the big gold sell-off, as we've seen with the uh, Fed hawk talk in the past. And that could happen again, of course. But it seems that some people, maybe, are starting to recognize that the Fed is way behind the inflation curve, and it's not going to catch up. I mean, here's the thing. The Fed is flat out telling you that it's not serious about fighting inflation. It's telling you that it's not going for tight monetary policy. It's going to be less accommodative. That means it's still accommodative, right? And as I've said over and over on this show, less accommodative means that the Fed is going to keep right on pouring gasoline on the inflationary fire. Let me pause here to remind you of a very important economic truth. It is Fed monetary policy 
that is driving inflation. It's not all the excuses that you hear. It's not Rona. It's not supply chain problems. It's not wage pressures. The Fed and the government wants you to think that they're just the victim here. I mean, they were just hanging out, sitting around, doing their thing. And then mean old inflation came along and started making you pay more. And they're trying to fix it. I mean, you know, the government and the Fed, they feel your pain. No, they're causing this. And the only way to stop it is to stop doing what is causing it. Stop printing money. But they don't want to do that. In fact, they can't do that. And they're freaking telling you that they're not going to do that. I'll give you one example. St. Louis Federal Reserve President James Bullard unwittingly let the cat out of the bag and revealed the central bank doesn't have the stomach to do what's necessary to take on surging, persistent, I'm going to use that word a lot, inflation, uh, during an interview earlier this week. Okay, so to get the full story, we've got to back up to last Friday. After January CPI data came out even hotter than expected, Bullard basically shocked markets when he called for a full 1% rate hike by July. As a CNBC report put it, his comments sent stocks on, quote, a wild ride as futures markets began to price in as many as seven quarter point rate hikes in 2022. So if you do the math, that would push interest rates to 1.75% by the end of the year. That was like shock and awe. And as I said on a video that I did over on Instagram this week, if that's really the plan, well, then it's shockingly awful. So just a day later, Bullard appeared on CNBC's Squat Box and he basically did damage control. Now, he didn't back off his call for a 1% rate hike by this summer, but he did walk back his hawkishness, describing it as front-loading the Fed's planned tightening. Quote, I do think we need to front-load more of our planned removal of accommodation than we would have previously. We've been surprised to the upside on inflation. This is a lot of inflation. Yes, it is, Mr. Bullard. So, when Fed officials come out and talk, especially when they're in damage control mode like this, they choose their words very carefully. You only really get the truth from these guys when they go off script, you know, when they're talking off the cuff. But when they're scripted, when they're on their talking points, their words matter a lot. So let me translate the words front-loaded for you. Bullard is basically saying, we're not going to do any more than you thought. No, no, I didn't mean that. We're just going to do it a little bit faster. We're going to do it more up front. But if they're going to front load it, that means you'll see less on the back end, right? That's the implication. So this was actually an assurance to the market that, no, 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 we're not taking the punch bowl away. We're just going to water down the punch a little more now. But don't worry. We won't water it down quite as much later. You're still going to be able to get drunk. Bullard described his comments as shading up his position, and he emphasized he's just one person on the committee. So again, don't worry. It's not as bad as I made you think on Friday. Now, most significantly, this is really important. I want you to hear this part clearly. Bullard insisted the Fed will continue to provide accommodative monetary policy. Quote, 
We're only removing accommodation so it's still an accommodative policy as we go through these initial rate hikes. They're rather cheap, actually. So there you go, fire, meat, gasoline, because the gasoline is still going to be flowing. In other words, despite a lot of inflation, the Fed's plan is to continue to create said inflation with an accommodative monetary policy. Or to put it another way, the central bank will continue to pour gasoline on this inflationary fire. Bullard's damage control underscores the painful reality that the Fed finds itself in. As economist Andre Marquise put it, the Fed is trapped. It doesn't really have room to raise rates or to taper its balance sheet. Quote, the Fed is trapped in its own web. It does not have much room to raise rates without major complications in the financial markets and in the economy. Even if it finally delivers on tapering and starts raising rates, it won't get any further than it did back in the last rate hike that was 2015 through 2018, and its balance sheet shrinking, which was in the 2017-2019 cycles, end quote. Now, they all know this. Bullard knows this. Jerome Powell knows this. Joe Biden knows this. Well, I mean, to the extent that he knows anything at all at this point. So this is why Bullard trotted out and emphasized that the central bank can raise rates to address inflation, but, quote, we can do it in a way that's organized and not disruptive to the market. See, that's the big fear here. The Fed is terrified that it's going to spook the markets, the markets are going to crash, the economy's going to tank, and then they're going to have to back off of this tightening policy. And that's exactly what is going to happen. The freakout in the markets after Bullard's initial statement on rate heights is exactly why the St. Louis Fed president went on CNBC to do this damage control and to walk back his comments. Because deep down, everybody knows any significant rate hike will pop this bubble economy that's built on artificially low interest rates and monetary stimulus. When you build an economy on artificially low interest rates and monetary stimulus, you can't just take it away. You can't just end the party. You take the punch bowl away where the party goers are going to riot. Now, the Fed Minutes came out this week uh, also, and if you read between the lines in the minutes, you see this same kind of tentative messaging. Even the markets widely viewed these minutes as less hawkish than expected. Uh, one analyst told CNBC that the minutes were, quote, dovish relative to expectations, end quote, and another called them anticlimactic. So they're going out of their way to tell you that this is not a Paul Volcker moment that's coming down the pike. And, and I think the mainstream is kind of starting to recognize that. That's why we're starting to see this move up in gold, why we have gold almost at $1,900 an ounce right now. So here's the bottom line. Hiking interest rates 1% or 2% over the next year or two is not a tight monetary policy, and it will do nothing to get ahead of the inflation curve. Heck, Hiking rates 2% tomorrow wouldn't get us ahead of 15% inflation, and that's the real CPI. I mean, even if we accept the government's cooked 7.5% CPI, we know 2% isn't enough. You know, it would be like me saying, I'm going to stop high tide today in the Gulf of Mexico by taking a five-gallon 
bucket of water out. It's not going to do anything. But you know what 2% interest rates will do? I think it will pop the bubble. I mean, they couldn't get much past 2.5% after 2008. That's what the economist I quoted earlier was saying. They're trapped in this web. Now we have trillions of dollars more in debt in the system. Coronavirus gave them cover to blow up an even bigger economic bubble. I think what little they do to fight inflation is still going to pop the bubble. And that's when things are really going to go sideways because they're going to have to turn the gas back up full blast with the inflation fire still burning. They're going to have to deal with the recession. How do they do that? They do quantitative easing. They print money. They cut interest rates. They're going to have to do that, but they're still not going to have dealt with inflation. So that leaves us a really nasty option. The Fed could get serious and really hike interest rates, which is going to create probably a depression. Or they can do what their playbook tells them to do, do the quantitative easing, do the money printing, do what they always do in a, quote, economic crisis. And then what we're going to have is stagflation because this inflationary pressure isn't going anywhere. Remember, it's not transitory. It's persistent. So here is the bottom line. Bullard unwittingly let the cat out of the bag. And to the extent that it enters the ring to fight inflation, the Fed is going to lose because it doesn't have the will to really fight. But its half-assed effort is still going to bust the economy. That's what I think is coming. So the question is, are you ready for what is coming? People are starting to buy gold. This might be a good time to talk to a shift gold precious metal specialist. And I would do it today. All you got to do is call 1-888-GOLD-160, or you can shoot them an email to info at shiftgold.com. Talk to these guys. They're fantastic. I've said this. I say it every week. They will look at your investment goals, your portfolio, and help you see how precious metals can help shield your wealth uh, for what's coming down the pike. So with that, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more information on all of the stories I've talked about today. And of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis over at shipgold.com slash news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Stitcher, we're on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links to all of these on the show notes page, which is over at shiftgold.com slash news. If you want to get a hold of me, feel free. Shoot me an email, mmaharry, M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y, at shiftgold.com. We'd love to hear from you, hear your thoughts uh, and your opinions on the music shout out to my good buddy who comments every week on the YouTube comments. Anyway, so that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys again next week.